sometimes you find people who are so on message. What they do is spoken not only by their words, but by their actions. This woman is amazing. And the way she is helping other women not just break the glass ceiling, but shatter it. She is a real proponent for equality in the workplace and being measured on what you achieve and the value you bring to an organization. She's got some great ideas on success. In fact, she's got a four-point model for it, and it was an absolute joy speaking to her. Are you ready to find out what it is? Let's go to the show. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. Hey, now today, I have someone who I consider, she's a bit of a business builder or a business architect because she's the kind of girl who just smashes glass ceilings, not for herself, but for others or helps them smash glass ceilings. She is a mentor and executive coach really focused on that C level and helping. Look, I've got to say, I, I've known her for a while. Some of the things that she's helped some of her clients do, like get pay rises in the tens of thousands of dollars. And, and they're probably still not at parity with some of their male colleagues, let's be honest. Um, but she's really helped women with ambition tackle, really get into that ambition and express it and go forward with it. Please welcome to the show, Amanda Bleasing. Welcome. Thanks, Mark. I love listening to the way you introduce me. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel successful. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next business card. You know, I am the you know business architect, builder, smasher, repairer. So for someone who has helped so many others create success, and you've been a CEO yourself for, for six or seven years uh, in, a, in a large not-for-profit yourself. So, you know, you had your own serious corporate success. I'm really interested. How do you define success both for you, but then I'm really interested. How do you define it for your clients? I reckon that there's an element of you have to be a legend in your own lunchtime. You know, the Australian vernacular expression, it sort of means you're a bit of a braggart, but I'd like to flip that one on its head because I think if you don't have a, some sort of positive self-belief, you'll never feel successful. So, I want to take that phrase and I want to be a legend. I want my clients, I reckon the listeners, we all need to be a little bit of a legend in our own lunchtime and love that, enjoy that. So for me, success has a bunch of elements. And um, so the first one would be purpose. You want to live a life on purpose. You want to know where you're going because if you don't know where you're going, how will you know when you get there? Another element would be meaning. You know, it, it does what you do matter. It, is it valued? And when we feel like it matters and we're valued, we're seen, heard and valued, then it, you feel a whole lot more successful. Uh, two more things. Um, in particular for women, the issue of agency, where we feel like we know which levers to move when and we're in control of our own destiny. So many women have been socialised to feel like we've got to be, wait to be tapped on the shoulder or wait to be rescued. Let's face it, that if you read fairy stories when you're a kid. But being in control of your own destiny and having agency is such a powerful uh, success driver. And one more, a, a little element which seems surprising, and that's the notion of progress. 
So when we feel like we're progressing somewhere, we've got steps and we're kicking little goals, we can see the progress, I think we feel a whole heap more successful. So there was a, a, I published a book, I don't know if you knew that, Warwick, I published a book a couple of years ago, and uh, let me tell you, it was a whole story and all of that. So I was publishing it because I wanted, there was a business benefit for me, it established me as a credible expert, but I, I wanted, it needed to be on purpose, so to help my clients get somewhere. In terms of meaning, uh, it was a huge project in making meaning. I was making meaning out of everything. I do my thoughts and ideas. I was helping my clients find meaning. So it was a huge piece around meaning. In terms of that agency, I was in control of that. I was in control of the whole project. I wasn't reliant on anyone else to make it happen. I was in charge of my own destiny. And the only person I was letting down was me if I didn't do it. And the fourth, fourth piece, progress. It was so good to get a chapter finished. The worst part was, in actual fact, there was a piece of agency missing where I handed it off to the editor, the publisher, in October, and I didn't see it till March. And I didn't have any idea about, you know, where, when it was coming. I just felt out of control. So at that point, I didn't feel so successful. But let me tell you, International Women's Day 2016, I had my hot little book in my hand and I felt amazingly successful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the um, Step Out, Speak Out, Take Charge book, yeah? Yeah, Step Out, Speak Out, Take Charge, uh, 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 a woman's guide to tackling her career. Fantastic. I love the structure you've got around how you, you define success. And I'm so with you on, on, on that because there are so many people who don't know what their mission is. So they don't know when they've reached success, that concept of um, being a legend in your own lunchbox. I think how does Australia's tall poppy syndrome affect that particularly for women versus men? Cause there seems to be, it seems to be a little bit more acceptable for men to go, Oh yes, I've done this. And I've done like, you look at any, man's profile on LinkedIn and oh my god you can oh I turned up for lunch today then I had a coffee you know whereas for women you've got to hunt to find out oh you've won the Nobel Peace Prize you know so how does the tall poppy syndrome affect women versus men in it in in the corporate world and in our country? Tall poppy syndrome is a big issue and I don't think it's just for women so I think that anyone who sticks up their head out up and says look at me this is what I've done you're going to have detractors and you have to get used to the fact uh, for the socialization of women and girls and stereotypes for women are really strong drivers and the stereotype effect is a, a phenomenon I guess that it impacts women more negatively than men like, so that the stereotypes of women are perhaps more passive less agency more uh, um, a, a demure, humble, modest. So when women don't behave like that, we criticise them. And also women will tend to perform to the stereotype when reminded of the stereotype, uh, despite perhaps intellectually knowing that they don't need to. But when we're reminded of that we're a woman, we'll perform to the stereotype. Now that reminder might just be something like, um, you know, oh, did you, have, did you have to make lunch for the kids this morning before, you know, before they went off to school? It doesn't have to be, oh, you're a woman. <laughs> it can be really subtle, but that reminder all of a sudden tips us back into uh, feeling like perhaps, uh, you, know, it, you know, performing like the feminine, uh, not so good at math, not so good at having direct competitive conversations, assertive, etc. Yeah, and that's 
women and men are equally good at most things with the exception of emotional intelligence and the uh, we know there's a bit of research there that right now, <laughs> perhaps women are leading on that one. <laughs> I would have thought that that was the case for quite some time, but let's not go there. <laughs> hey, when it comes to, it's really interesting. I see uh, we're talking tall poppy syndrome and women getting criticized by random people. And you'll see whether it's in magazines or articles or, who criticizes women most? Is it other women or is it men trying to put women back in their place? Because I see there is a, for one of a better word, a sisterhood that are incredibly supportive of other women and go, you go girl and I'm here for you. But there seems to be a lot of others who are, whether they're fulfilling the stereotype and trying to get the other woman to go, no, 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 play down. Don't be so successful. Don't be so proud of your achievements. Don't be so you know tall poppy-ish. So is it, is there that attack from within? Um, really interesting topic. I do not want to be someone to be known as someone who contributes to what I call myths, misconceptions and misogyny that already abounds around women and leadership aspirations and ambition, etc. Uh, uh, yep. <laughs> I even published a blog on this yesterday. You must have been reading my blog, Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Yes, there is a bunch of research that says that women uh, hold other women back. The, that the notion of scarcity at the top turns uh, perhaps means that women feel like they need to compete really aggressively for that top job. Now, I think there's probably way more into way more in it than that. I think that perhaps. Yeah, historically, the qualities or traits that have been valued at the top in the C-suite have been more masculine nature in nature. So women have been rewarded by progress through their career into top positions by displaying the fact that they are competitive, assertive, aggressive, and they wouldn't have got to the top unless they were displaying all those sorts of more masculine traits. The problem is when they get there, they don't have another way of being. So I, I don't think it's just that we the scarcity at the top and we want to defend our position. I think that the, the, the concept of, you know, we've been rewarded for those traits when we get there. I remember uh, when I was the CEO of SOCAP, um, that not-for-profit you mentioned before, there was a time when I actually didn't like myself and that was a real aha moment. Um, I really didn't like who I was becoming. I was, there were big goals, the board, you know, the board had, and I had some big dreams for the uh, organisation and I was becoming incredibly direct, incredibly assertive, incredibly uh, perhaps combative and I didn't know how to temper that. And I think for women, when we lose the balance of the blending the masculine and the feminine, when we lose that, you know, bringing our perhaps more feminine side, whether that's more gentle, more collaborative, more intuitive side to the, to the workplace. And we lose that, then in actual fact, workplaces and businesses and organisations and women and men are losing entirely. So I like to think that for while women may have the reputation for criti criticising other women, and let's face it, you know, you, you, go, out, you go out and, and, and the first thing you might comment on is some, a woman's appearance, etc., which is trivial, and that's from her supporters, not necessarily trolls. That is another aspect. But I like to think that if we bring the black blend of masculine and feminine into the workplace, 
I think it gives everyone a whole heap more room for manoeuvring and a whole heap more happiness for men and women as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, uh, your observations are so true. It used to be for a female to get into that senior level, they had to act like a bloke. And, and now there's an element of caring required in business that women are, seem to be better attuned to, whether it's the, the nurture side or whatever, that is needed for caring for the shareholders, the employees, the environment that is such a, a, a benefit. So, and I'm, I'm pleased to see some of that coming. It is very interesting how women get criticized for what, we- for what they wear and men don't. Uh, at an, at a, a conference that, that I was hosting recently, um, uh, I, they wanted a female host. And so I referred a friend into it and I'd co-hosted it for quite a few years. No one had ever mentioned my outfits at all. And she was saying to me that, you know, in the feedback she got, there was multiple comments about like, I'm not sure what she was wearing was appropriate. And it's just like, how does it matter? Did she do the job? Was it an effective job? It's, it's, is that, how can we stop that? Like, you know, I'd look at women's magazines who go, you know, be strong, be yourself, and you're too fat, go on a diet, and here's five great recipes for cake. Like, the messaging is, is insane. So how do we start to assess a person's value on the value they bring in their skill sets, not what they look like, not what they wear, not how tall they are, for want of a better Oh, it's such a messy issue and it frustrates the heck out of me. <laughs> I think there was the there was that really famous issue as was it Carl Kasanovic, he wore the same Stefanovic wore the same suit for a year. He wore the same suit for a year. And then his work colleague um, wore the same outfit twice. <laughs> I think that's fantastic and says it all. Um, and what's really quite interesting is I bet it's not men in the feedback commenting on the outfits that the female host was wearing. Yeah. Uh, I think we women, the socialisation of women and girls leaves a lot to be desired. I think that this obsession with what we look like, it's an external thing. Uh, it leads to deep unhappiness. It trivialises the contribution that women bring. We are far more than a fashion plate. I think that in saying that, though, I think that our clothes can help make us feel confident, but let's get off of critiquing what other people are wearing and focus on the contribution that she makes. Mm. I'm sure your host, your female host, did an awesome job. Oh, she's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I do. It's really interesting to say that, too, because I speak on stage. I go and speak at conferences, and I mind, I care very, I pay attention to what I wear. And I'll sometimes comment on it. Um, that, that, you know, I'll make sure that my tummy's a little bit covered and that there's nothing there that people could be, you know, my outfits aren't too tight, they're not too busty, they're not too, I'm not too mutton-dressed as lamb because I know that other people will comment on that. Um, There was that notion, you know, I do comment on clothing on stage because remember before Christmas there was that incident where one of the journos had worn a short sleeve in Parliament? This is... It was really good that it's been highlighted because uh, uh, I remember talking to this woman who used to work at a, a big Australian ASX listed 20 and she was, got in trouble one day for wearing a short sleeve back in the 80s. So not so long ago, and I'd never heard heard of the like because I've worked in organisations that didn't really care, but she got in trouble. And so she asked her boss why, and he said, because we don't want to see flabby arm fat. 
And after he said that, he realised that he was a bit inappropriate and he was the boss and he changed the policy. Yeah, yeah. It is quite amazing. I like Jane Elliott who did the experiment Blue Eye, Brown Eye and it's worth... um, there's some great stuff. She was just talking about discrimination based on the color of eyes and started in the fifties and sixties in the U S and I saw a documentary and there was one sentence that has stuck with me. There was a pretty little blonde girl and she said to her, get over pretty, pretty doesn't last. And I think that women have so much more to offer than, you know, how good they look and and what clothes they're wearing that to have that as a primary focus is doing a disservice to themselves. So how do we build this sense of I'm a legend in my own lunchbox without coming across like, for want of a better word, a bit of a wanker and who is just sort of, you know, so full of themselves. How do you have that confidence and esteem and authority to say, actually, I'm very good at what I do and have it heard without people going, check this person out. How do you do that? I love it. I love it. So that, this is the gold. This is the gold. And if I could work this out for everyone, <laughs> I, I, I'd be a millionaire. And oh, that would be, might be one measure of success. I might feel successful, but I think I'd, I'd actually feel successful because I would have helped so many more people. Would have brought me joy and meaning. Okay, so um, I have a little formula. Now, someone taught it to me. It's not my unique formula, but what I help my clients with, and I'm happy to share with you and your listeners, is the Friday Achievement Formula. Every Friday from now until the end of eternity, (laughs) especially if you have the tendency to downplay, to uh, underestimate yourself and second guess yourself, typical for many women. Um, So you're going to collect evidence of your wins and achievements. So you're going to look look at your week and go, "Mm, what did I achieve this week? And you're going to write that down. Maybe one, you know, one big project or a progress on a project, something like that. Um, You're going to, then the second piece you're going to do is quantify or qualify the business benefit or personal benefit. This quantification is really, really important because women have tended to come through disciplines that don't quantify. So human resources, uh, marketing, uh, you know, we, we talk about the soft skills, etc. but women have tended to come through disciplines and if they have a seat at the board, they, they have a seat at, you know, head of, um, a chief of human resources. They have a, a seat at the board for typically, historically, non-quantifiable type things. So what I find on female CVs is they don't quantify. They don't have the habit. No one's taught them. So they don't talk about the business benefit and dollar value and percentages of the projects they delivered. And, and so teaching women to quantify has been a really powerful uh, driver for my clients and it really helps them uh, shift the dial because quantification is the language of the C-suite. So C-suites look at dollar value. They look at uh, business benefit. They look at ROI and stock price and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So if you can link back your achievements to that, home and hose. Um, If you can't quantify, because it wasn't quantifiable, and let's face it, some projects aren't, then qualify. I think I got that right. If you can't quantify, qualify. So, uh, for example, did the chairman of the board, the chairwoman of the board say that was a fantastic project? Collect the evidence. So quantify, qualify, that's step two. Step three is to articulate what 
was it about me or what did I do to make that happen? So document, what was your expertise? What was your uh, experience? Or what was it that you were passionate about that really made that happen? And, and, and I like to call that owning your expertise. So it, oh, no, it was nothing, it was just doing my job. I actually own it, claim it. Um, you're a rock star. You're, remember, you're a legend in your own lunchtime. And if you don't believe that, no one else will. So, so you've got to start somewhere. So the Friday Achievement Formula, that really helps. Then what that means is you've got actual real examples. So you're not actually making it up. So I think the legend in the lunchbox type scenario was people making it up and saying they were good when they weren't really. But when you've got credible examples, you can say, well, actually last month I did do this. So, uh, it gives you ammunition in meetings where someone's pushing back. I did hear a story recently of a, a woman who She'd had an amazing uh, month in real estate, like the biggest month ever, where she had closed more deals than anyone in the agency put together for, you know, for the year or something like that. And then around the table at the end of the monthly, uh, the end of the month sort of meeting, one of the partners of the firm criticised her sales technique. So she then, she was gutted to start with and then because she had quantified, it's very easy to quantify when you're in a sales role, she had quantified, she just said, obviously, Brian, you haven't been reading the reports and you haven't read that I have just closed more deals and it was valued at X, Y, Z and this is the biggest the agency's ever had. So until this conversation gets more positive, I'll leave the meeting. Uh, welcome to let me know when to come back in. So I think that being a legend in your own lunchbox, your own lunchtime, really empowers you, especially when it's based on real fact, real credible results and tangible outcomes that you're comfortable talking about. And that's really got to help when it comes to renegotiating salary or going for a new position to be able to say, you know, if you've been doing this for a couple of years, here's like a, a hundred weeks worth of ammunition to cherry pick the best stuff from that is quantifiable facts that you, you can't doubt. It's not just a feeling. It's not just that oh, I think I'm good. It's like, of course I'm good. Look at, look at these kind of results. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's great for, so let's think about that formula. It's great for salary negotiation. Absolutely. Now, just on salary negotiation, most women make the mistake of thinking that you only negotiate at the end of the year. You go into your performance appraiser or all the salary negotiation discussion and you ask for it then. The women who get most success in my program have asked four or five, maybe six times during the year. Not in a formal, let me sit down and talk about salary or that might have been the case, but you know, on the way to the car park, yeah, on the way to the coffee, hey, can I buy you a coffee boss? I just, you know, when are we talking about salaries? Because I've got all these great projects that I've achieved and delivered on uh, this year. I just wanted to talk about some of that and, and talk about when we will renegotiate. Um, you've got to let people know you want a salary rise. Don't leave it as a secret. Uh, so uh, this Friday Achievement Formula, great for salary negotiations, great for perform performance appraisals, great when you want to do a little humble brag at a networking event. <laughs> and the humble brag is a really good one, you know. But use fact and context. It doesn't have to be like, look at me, how good I am. It's yeah. like, well, recently I was working on this project and I did this and I turned straw into gold. And, but, you know, it, it was tough. It was during the GFC and, you know, it was actually really tough. 
And the result was this. And I love it because it really proved to the organisation that X, Y, Z. So that doesn't sound braggy. That's a humble brag and it works really well. So Friday Achievement Formula, legend in your own lunchbox. You actually have to own this stuff and be that person. And that's also got to help, like... I, most people that I've ever deal with, they have moments where they're just like, oh, what am I doing this for? What's going on? They just feel a bit flat. Going back and just looking at that stuff must then just boost your sense of self-esteem a lot. It's like I was once told, if you want to increase your self-esteem, you do esteemable acts. And this sounds like a fantastic way of keeping track of some of these esteemable acts that matter in a business sense. So what a very powerful tool to, to have. We're coming up to the uh, end of our quick chat. I just want to ask from, from your perspective with your success, having had so much experience of your own and ha- having guided uh, the C-suite females to their success, what are three things you wish you'd known earlier? What if you could tell yourself 20 years ago or five years ago even, what, what things would you wish you'd known about earlier? The first thing would be other people's opinions don't matter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know whether I grew up in an unusual household or, uh, but, you know, what will the neighbours think was a constant refrain in my, you know, that was the, how my parents chastised me into, into behaving. <laughs> so uh, learning to not care as much about what other people think and more rely on what, what do I think? Uh, was a really big one. Um, the second one would be get comfortable with discomfort. Uh, your comfort zone really isn't isn't that comfortable after a while, and you've just you know thinking, well, uh, actually that thing out there scares me a little bit, and that's got to be where I go. And the third thing is is none of this really matters. Just keep going. <laughs> It doesn't really matter. You know, might make a mistake and it feels dreadful in the moment. But in 10 years' time, maybe a year's time, no one will even remember it if you're lucky and it wasn't printed in the press and it doesn't keep getting regurgitated up every time your name is mentioned in the press. However, for most of us, we're making mistakes that aren't featured in the press. Yeah. And we, we give it so much meaning and it hangs over us for years when in actual fact, uh, people have moved on. Yeah. So those are, those would be my three things. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Amanda. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more about your programs, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? www.amandableasing.com. That's blessing with one S. <laughs> um, or LinkedIn. I'm, I'm a LinkedIn ninja and that's how I met you, Warwick. Uh, LinkedIn ninja. I love LinkedIn. It's a great way to connect with people. So look me up on LinkedIn. I have some post noms after my name, F-A-R-P-I. So that'll dis- distinguish me. <laughs> Excellent. Again, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Warwick. A- a- absolute pleasure. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. 
Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success.